And we're back. It is episode eight. We have made it to eight episodes, Amy. <laughs> I can barely count to eight. <laughs> it's Courtney and Amy. Welcome back to I'ma Let You Finish. Welcome back. We are recording today at the fabulous Canal Street Radio inside of Canal Street Market with mm-hmm. our partners once again, Listening Party Presents. And uh, we got a great show for you today. We have a special guest, Amy. Our very, oh no, I'm not a special guest. Uh, well, you are a special guest I am today. a special, I'm special. <laughs> we have a special guest today, the author and man about town, Ben Merlis. Very excited to talk to him. He's going to be talking to his, us about his brand new book, Going Off, which is the history of Cold Chillin' Records. So he's going to be coming in shortly. But good stuff, good stuff. Until then, you're stuck with me and Courtney. And so, you know, we tape these shows. So when you guys hear this show, it'll be, you know, a little later in the month. So we but need to. I think this is a story, though, yeah. that will stand the test. <laughs> Courtney, I think this is what we call an evergreen. I think what we're about to start talking about is something that people will go back in history and go, where were you the moment you found out that. John Legend was voted the sexiest man alive. <laughs> okay, now here's my thing. Okay, you, you here's start my first. thing. We here's need my to, thing. We need to first <laughs> off defend. Let's just both say, have you ever worked with John Legend? Okay, when I was at Columbia, I was at Columbia Not for the his, university. I was at Columbia records. for his first album. A great I, record. I believe I left Columbia probably at the beginning. I feel like it was the second album. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. But yeah, I was listen, John Legend is an incredibly nice guy. Incredibly an inc- nice. An incredibly talented guy. Smart as the day is long. Absolutely. And and I do believe that smart can be sexy and i believe there's nerdy sexy i believe all of those things but then when i saw the pictures i was like not so much he looks like a newt it's in like the picture <laughs> now here's the thing i also think that john is an incredibly nice guy i've interviewed him once or twice he's incredibly nice he is smarter than all get yeah out. he's super and super by smart. musician standards yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. fucking road scholar Absol- he's his a really politics he was the only male musician to go on camera for that r kelly documentary right he has been outspoken against Trump and the patriarchy and everybody. He is married to clearly the hottest chick in the game. Right. Chrissy You Teigen. like her? I love her. Yeah, I don't get it, but that's good. For but her. that's okay. I love her. I love a sassy. I love a I sassy. Like, I think I like the idea. Of, you know what I mean? I'm just not one of those celebrities. I, I don't care, but I'm happy for but them. She's sassy. No. But here's the thing with John Legend. Here's what I want to say about his sexiness. And I know sexy is in the eye of the beholder. Yes, it is. First off, Men are much more visual. Yeah, that's true. So a, a sexy woman for a man has to be like boom shakalaka. Right, right, There right. has to be a boom shakalaka factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women will date or find a man attractive for other reasons, the reasons we just listed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's what I want to say. I have no problem with him being the sexiest man alive for all the reasons we listed if, uh, when they pick the sexiest woman. It's not a hot-looking chick. It's someone who's smart and political right. and all that. Which, you know, that's not what's going to And that's gonna not going to happen. Right. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, and, and, you know, listen, I don't mind him being the sexiest man alive. I just think, at least in make him nerdy, sexy in the pictures. Like, when I looked at the cover, he I was He looks like a newt. <laughs> he looks like a newt. I was just like, okay, okay. I mean, you know what? Not for <laughs> nothing, though. If they were to pull the same thing with listen, Pharrell, smart I have the, same, sexy. I have the same feeling about Pharrell. Pharrell, to me, I'm sh- 
well, I think that John is a little brighter than Pharrell. Well, I mean, oh, Pharrell. Oh, no, I mean, I'm so violent. No, no, but I'm <laughs> saying from what I've heard him express, but Pharrell right. is also super talented. But I'm like, th- he's not somebody you look at him and go, I must bed him, especially no. coming after Idris for crying. No, out well, he, yeah, I mean, because Idris just gives you. I mean, you saw when 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 Chrissy was defending her yes, man, yeah. and then when Idris answers back, it's like 1995, and you're like, oh wow. Even yeah. then, you came you're out of like, the womb baby, hot. Yeah, you, that was just like I've been hot since. Since hot, <laughs> you know Since what I'm hot. He's just hot. But I will also g- give People Magazine and whatever corporation that owns them now two black men in a row. Yeah, yeah. That's major. And listen, sexy is uh, smart is sexy. It yes. Is, I just I think what it made Which me. Which is why I have so many men. You know what I? You me. know what I think it made oh me do. Wait, I have to. I have to knock. <laughs> men, leave me alone. Go away. Stop bothering me. Whoa, whoa, crew is stalking oh, me no, on not the crew, internet. Not crew. No. Do you know? <laughs> shout out. To, hey, shout crew. Out, crew. Hey, crew. crew. To we the love show. you. Hey, we love you. No, you crew. know. You know what's really funny though. It it actually made me. It did something really good because it actually made me question my beliefs and all the stuff that I say when I said, you know what? First, I want to be like, oh, God, you picked him because visually that's not the first guy I think of. And I was like, but you know what? I think somebody who's really smart and sexy, uh, smart and talented and a good person, I do find those attributes quite sexy. I do too. You know? I just hate the photos. I just hate the photos. I wish the pictures were better. Yeah, the photos are not good. Yeah, that's the thing that I think gets most people. You could sell him. Yeah, I mean, look, first off, sexy, whatever. And listen, and women like sexy men without their shirt on too. Let's not even. You know, you guys are just as visual. You love Jason Momoa. No one loves Jason Momoa for his acting. I don't find him attractive (laughs) in the least. I don't. I'm sorry, but what I'm saying is, is that you will more often than not see a good-looking woman with a not-so-good-looking guy than you will see a good-looking guy with a not-so-good-looking woman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. I'm sitting here trying. I'm like, wait. No. I was gonna name. No. <laughs> I was gonna She's name. She's good. Right. Oh, no. Wait a minute. She is good-looking. People are. Who? Our producer just held up a picture yeah. of Keanu and his girlfriend, whose name oh. we don't know. Who I thought was oh. Ellen Mirren. Well, everybody I thought it was, was Helen Listen, Mirren. I don't. She's some. She's an artist named Cindy. Somebody. I don't. I. I don't find her unattractive. I don't find her. Unattractive. I actually find her quite stylish, and she reminds me of like that hip. Downtown, downtown Trebekah E yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of chick who's and like, I I've ab- got my silver hair. And I applaud and you know any what I'm woman I'm who embraces it. it. Yeah, listen, yeah. I'm into and I would, all of it. I don't find Keanu, whatever. All right, anyway. I love Keanu Reeves. I know, I know. I He's the Keanu. internet's boyfriend. I love Keanu Reeves. I do, I love him. Um, <laughs> I just love, I find sexy any man who's married to a woman that Donald Trump has blocked on Twitter. This is a good point. Speaking of blocking, if you come to New York, don't bring your churros. Don't bring your churros. <laughs> Leave your no. churros home. Don't bring your churros. We are a no churro zone. <laughs> because B-Y-O churro. Do you know what I hate about this story? Well, we got to back it up. Let's yeah, give yeah, it a little yeah, because okay. it's more than the ch- I mean, we're, joke- yeah, we're yeah. not joking around. Basically, what's happened in the last few months, the New York City Police Department, and no one has asked them to do this, might I add, has decided that they need to crack down on crime because the real crime is down in New York. So they're cracking down on subway fare evaders, you know, people who jump over the turnstiles, yeah, people yeah. who sneak in through the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I guess now they're tra- cracking down on these nice ladies. And the vendors, And you the know. vendors who are selling stuff without a vending license. So, Which is, everything needs a license. Now, New York used to be a town where we would have a party in the park. 
It was right. no big deal. But now everything is, where's your permit? You need this. You need that. It's like a million rules for any kind of small business to try to operate in this town. Well, I can understand. Okay, the thing is... There's two levels to this. First off, it's there's the New York, really, are you fucking kidding me, is this important level. But it's the way that they're going about it. This woman, one lady, was surrounded by four cops, and instead of saying, hey, miss, ma'am, could you, you can't do that here, they Well, they evidently, her. well, remember, they supposedly had given her warnings, and she'd gotten something like eight summonses in the last month, and they kept saying you can't do it. Is there but, a churro shop upstairs <laughs> that's losing business? Well, <laughs> well here's, my, here's my thing about it. Then figure out a way for people to be able to have small business, because that's truly small business yeah, in this Yeah, get town. a permit. Make if, it easy. I don't, know, I, I don't know about you guys who listen to us in other cities, but if you come to New York now, and you walk down any street in any part of town in every borough, every other sign that used to be some small business is store for rent, right. out of sale, store for rent. It's a it banker chain store. So when now. I hear everybody talking about jobs, 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 I'm like, we're not talking honestly about small business. Small business is that person with a food cart trying to sell churros. But the That's other, real small business. So there's that part of it, too. But the other part, which is what makes it you know, really insidious, is with, there was a young... A black kid who was detained by cops, transit cops in Brooklyn and, you know, really hurt, like beaten down, like to the point where there were protests. There was a young man in Oakland, I believe, who was stopped by the cops because he was eating on a subway platform. Right. So that's what it's it's becoming this thing where these kind of quality of life crimes are an open window for cops to start harassing people. And it's usually people of color. It's a, you know, it's a really tricky situation. You know what I mean? It's a tricky situation. Listen, my dad was, was NYPD. You know what I mean? And, and I know watching him do that job that it was a hard job. Yeah. But I, I see some of the stuff that's happening and I'm like, why can't we have an honest conversation about this? I just because don't think turnstile jumping is that big of a deal. Sorry. You know, well, listen, well, they, they changed it now with turnstile jumping. You will get, they don't arrest you as easily. You'll get arrested if you have outstanding warrants right. and outstanding stuff. Now you'll get a summons right. that you have to pay or but you appear the fact before. That I just worry when it gives cops, and I'm not anti-cop, cops an excuse. They, there was no reason you needed four cops for one kid. Well, I'm going to tell you this. As a black Man, like you're that, that's a whole other show, yeah. That we well, can that's have. what I'm saying because that's what you worries know, some me. of the experience. I, it's a really strange thing that as an adult, I remembered, and I didn't remember this until I was an adult. The times my, my mom and dad sat me down, like, if you ever deal with a police officer, this is what you do, right? This is what you say, and I never thought about that until much later in life, and I was like. When people would say, oh, my parents had to talk with me, and then I realized, holy shit. Right. And my dad was a cop, and he had that talk with me. All co- kids, my, I work with high school kids, black and Latino, high co- and they're, they're getting that talk, too. And it, it's really crazy. And, then, and I see how we're viewed as black men. I'll tell you a story. Um, it was um, Global Citizen in Central Park. Right. I had, like, five credentials around my neck. Right. All access, everything. I had to go out to give somebody their passes, and I kind of went a back way, and I got lost. And so the back way that I was in was closed, and there was no, and there was nobody around that area. Right. But there were some cops, so I'm, I walk up to the police officer to ask him a question, and he immediately just starts yelling at me. Yep. You know. And I'm I looking. Did. You're not supposed to be here. You're not. And I was just kind of like. I have five credentials around me. Sir, I said, sir, I came out. I took a back way. I just need to get back to the stage area. But it was like he immediately saw me, and it was just, 
enraged. And I was just like, wow, we're in such a place with this relationship between the community and the police that it's immediate sort of friction. Wait, that guy's back with the hair. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Where are you back? He was here last week. Wait. No, oh Robert God. Smith's stunt double. Are, are you He's kidding? Back. He's back. What? No. The same did? one? Yeah, the same one. See, my, see I guys, think he might I'm live in the middle here. of my back is turned. My back is turned. And now they have no. me scared to turn oh around. God. I'm like, no, it's Robert Rob Smith from The Cure is coming to kill stunt me. Stunt double. No, my God. Without the lipstick. But I just oh say, it's it's a bigger story. Do you think he sleeps here? Do you think he sleeps here? It's a bigger story. And we have to, that's a different show. Right. But, it, but it's definitely, some of these quality of life things, I'm like, I, we need to get with the community and sit there, and, and we need to really say, listen, the stuff we're worried about in our communities is our kids being shot in the park. Not the churros. We're not, I'm not worried about, about the, the lady in the churros. And I, I am personally going to start buying them because I didn't know they were a dollar. Well, I mean, that doesn't make you want a churro. I always want a churro, I'm but serious. I didn't know they doesn't were a that, fucking like, dollar. Thing. I it thought ma- they were like three, four dollars. That story like, made me be like, like well, I, I want could a churro. totally eat churro a out. churro. I could churro out. I could chum. I, I, well, let's, we should get the churro lady <laughs> oh. to sp- be a sponsor. <laughs> oh, my God. And have her come uh, in and be like, churros. And speaking of un- churros. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking, speaking of, of baked goods. Speaking of baked goods <laughs> and unsympathetic characters, Taylor Swift is back. Uh, uh, talk about white. All right, <laughs> let's make talk about un, underbaked. This this is all I'm going to say in this because I know you have an opinion too. Me, I, an opinion. Uh, uh, I what? think that um, this is a bigger story about artists and ownership, and and it's a really important lesson on ownership and knowing the kind of deals you sign and understanding those old deals versus new deals and understanding why a lot of people go independent and want to own their work. Okay, so here's my thing about Taylor Swift. First off, I give a flying fuck about nothing about Taylor Swift's life. That said, it is a bigger issue, but I will say these two things and then I, whatever. I don't believe her, and here's why I don't believe her, because she has cried white lady tears numerous <laughs> times. Kanye said this. It's really bad when Kanye and Kim are the voices of reason in a conversation, number one. <laughs> number two, she pulls the faux feminism card all the time. And, right. I, and, and feminism doesn't mean you have a friend that's a girl. Right. Okay. And the third thing with her is she was given an opportunity to buy these her father was right from what i understand if, if see it, i need i need to look I that up because that would to me if that is really true it's like it's hard to tell you always have to buy your masses if you yeah. get there that's the holy grail right that is the most artists that's like, like having it that's i've worked i work with artists i've worked with artists who quietly gotten their masters in their yeah. in their renegotiations i've worked with other artists who who owns some of their masses. Now, look, with Prince, his big fight with Warner Brothers was owning his work. Yes, and, and then when, he ended up, like, whatever, going but when, back to But him. when he went back, he got his work. On his own. But except for the soundtracks, because, you know, the soundtracks always become Property. a thing because of the movie, look, like Batman. And well, I mean, all joking stuff. aside, I mean, if she is being ripped off, that's not right. She right. shouldn't be ripped off. But I don't like Not the especially way, if you wrote this Right, but, exactly. But I don't like the way she's couching it. And I also find it a little weird. Well, you know, everybody takes the fight public. These yeah. it doesn't happen if it doesn't happen right. on Tumblr or Instagram. No, I don't you know, think, she I don't she like, does her Tumblr posts no, and the world I don't pays like the attention. Way she's, also, especially since you can't sick a bunch of fans after somebody. This except, is a legal issue. Except, Scooter Braun is not exactly a sympathetic character. He's a manager. At all no, in there this. are no managers. None of these people are. Yeah, sympath- but I think it's a little these, bit more than none that. None of this, these people. This side, this side feels like nobody has clean hands. Well, he's a grown man And I think Scooter. hers might be a little cleaner, but I think Scott and, and Scooter, they okay. seem to have really Scooter. dirty That lets you know Scooter. right there. Right I mean, there. and what kind of Jew names their kids Scooter? <laughs> 
Speaking from a Jewess. I'm a Jewette. <laughs> and he's Canadian. There's a lot of... Uh, he's no. Canadian? Yes, isn't he? Isn't the whole no, Justin, Justin Bieber no, empire? No, Justin is Canadian. But doesn't he own... I don't think Scooter's Canadian. I don't know. I, I don't think I don't. so. Isn't he from, like, New York or Jersey no, or no, some no, shit? No, 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 no. Well, maybe. I know. The point is, is, I think there is probably a middle ground in this that we don't know about, but... The middle I ground is she should be able to buy her master. Yes, and I just don't think... I, I don't like it when you start sicking the fans on people, because let's oh, be honest, I do. the fans... I do. Go for it. No, because they're idiots. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, fans yeah. are... I mean, you know, all joking aside, but she... Life will go on. Guess what? Taylor Swift's life will go on and she won't have to worry about money no matter what happens. This is this is true. So, what? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about um you know, you know me and my and my music. I'm always playing a lot of vinyl in the house and yes. rebuilding my collection. And I started pulling out all of these like sort of old dance records, you know, Salso records mm. and Profile records mm. and and Next Plateau mm. and it really got me thinking about all and like strictly rhythm and it this whole subject ties back to that, right? Because a lot of these old dance labels came around for like some, like Strictly is still here. Right. Strictly was bought by Profile's B- still here. Yeah. And, and Profile is owned through Sony now, I believe. And, right. And they manage that catalog. And BMG now bought all of the recordings right. and all of the publishing from Strictly and they manage that. And you think about all of those artists, those were big dance records. Barbara Tucker, I Get Lifted. Beautiful people, alternate free. She used to live in my neighborhood. Robert, uh, yeah, yeah, and all of that publishing. Right. It, it and those people have. It's kind of the same the Taylor Swift situation. You've got except they made much more danceable music than <laughs> she did. <laughs> they did, but it, it is it is a very interesting thing when you don't get to own your intellectual property. And and I think about all these records and I love these classic records. And I think we'll talk about this a little bit with Ben and Cole Chillin. You have these labels that had really influential records in a short period of time right. that didn't really last for for a really long time. But they're time. lasting in a in a different you um, lasting in a different way because they are people are constantly going back to them. So we were talking about last week and before Ben comes in the whole idea of dance music. Dance music is always going to refer back to those records. Absolutely. And a dance music fan is always going to be like that person that beat me up on some page about Shannon. Right. It's always going to go back to that. Did somebody beat you up about Shannon? Oh, they said, oh, you're going to like the Jesse Ware song. Why don't you like, here's the original. It's like, yeah, thank you for mansplaining Shannon. Thank you for mansplaining Shannon. Don't you love when somebody acts like, if you say I like a song or something, they try to come in. It's like, thank you. And wasn't that the first song I said to you when I called you up? Yeah, you did. You did. You did say that. And you were like, no, it's Shannon. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can hear that. What I didn't hear was Bananarama. No, me You keep saying Bananarama. No, the New York Times said that. I like yeah, but you know the New York Times I also know, know, talked about black people and, and a chicken sandwich and, chuck- and what? shit. Speaking of chicken and black people, hey Ben, <laughs> let the music play. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> our first guest. Our first, first guest. guest. I'm honored. You sh- should be, and he's rocking the cold chilling jacket and the Misfits Fiend shirt. <laughs> we have Ben Merlis in the house. Woo! All right, before Ben has a great book. Yeah, guys, it's really cool. And you know what I like about it's your called book Going the Off the Here, Story of the hold, Juice Crew and Cold Chilling Records. Hold, I'm going to hold it up so that our, the camera can, the non-existent <laughs> camera can see. What I like about this Fiona book, Bloom can take a picture. Oh no, she can't. Never yeah. mind. No, what I like about it is that it's pocket-sized. It's perfect size. Going off the she story of the Juice Crew and Cold Chilling. It's a perfect size for a New York City gal with her backpack. Yeah. Okay. And so her tote bag. All right. So I'm let's gonna, dig uh, into I'm going to embarrass Ben okay. first. 
Oh, well, God. it's not an embarrassment. Let me explain to you how I know Ben. One, two, <laughs> two three. The old, old Indian, Indian rope trick. trick. Okay, guys. What the fuck is Go. the old Indian rope trick? When I was probably seven years old at uh, 318 South Mansfield, the first <laughs> house I lived in L.A., mm -hmm. I had this like... Which I've been to. I've been to parties. There was an excellent house. Mm. We had this dachshund named Raymond Lowy Jr. <laughs> and <laughs> named, by, named after Raymond Lowy by my father, who's obsessed with... Studebaker Avantis, and mm. so, and he's the guy who designed those. So mm. I, we had this dog, and I had this dog chain, and and I would do this like what I thought was like a magic trick, like look, I can make this turn <laughs> into a loop and then not be a loop anymore or whatever. But it was, and and I used, and I would say it's the old Indian rope trick, <laughs> and then flash forward to like a year ago. Yeah. I'm like, I'm in touch with Amy Linden. Well, you know, that's the one you did the old interruption <laughs> for. <laughs> <That's laughs> so it's forever that. Well, I have known Ben and his mom, the wonderful Luann, and his brothers for quite some time. I haven't seen him in a million years. My mom's real name's Judy, but... Everyone that, calls her Luann, well, though. Well, back then they did, yeah. Yeah, they called her Luann. <laughs> I don't know why. I knew her name was Judy, and then everyone <laughs> called... But the reason I know Ben's dad, who is Bob Merlis, who was a, a, a big muckety-muck publicist for years still is still yeah. i like to think he is mm -hmm. a muckety muck he's definitely he's muckety at this point well, <laughs> i'll be he's the muck. muckety and muckety <laughs> he's definitely muckety and muckety well i met your dad i met merlis who nobody calls by his first name in like 1978 he came to san francisco because he was with warner brothers and working with the sex pistols and he took myself i lived in san francisco as did my best friend who is an old friend of his and David Turner's. Wow, okay. I, I was that at means nothing to anybody but me. <laughs> it's directed at you. All right. And David Turner, I was at David Turner's wedding where the Rubenews played. Uh -huh. You remember that? That was in the backyard of 318 Man South Mansfield. Yes, it was. Um, anyway. Inside baseball. <laughs> yes, very inside. But people know who the Sex Pistols are, so let's so focus the sex on that. So we were at the Mabuhay Gardens, which was San Francisco's version of CBGB's, mm -hmm. and your dad said, hey, you guys going to see the Sex Pistols? And I'm Going to see this has been sold out for many years. How am I going to go see a sex pistol? I'm just nobody with long hair. I don't even have short hair. How can I be a punk? <laughs> and your dad literally went, I have tickets. Bam! And I went to see the Sex Pistols, and the show changed my life because of your dad. Thank you. Thank you very much. I've never seen I mean, the Sex Pistols. On behalf I, of my that's father, a good thank one. you. And I, it's your dad's fault that my life went spiraling out of control. I developed a crippling substance abuse problem. Okay. And I have no <laughs> okay, idea who the father of my okay, child is. Oh, my God, Bob okay. Rose, I hate you. No. <laughs> I, I, ooh, this I is think that that's production a, values. I think that's that a different kind of show. I'm making that part But no. let me tell you about the Sex Pistols, mm. because they changed my life, too, and I didn't get to see them. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what it was like. And and uh, <laughs> and when you when you were on that other podcast in England um, called Rocks Back Pages, and you said I saw the Sex Pistols last show at Winterland, it was fucking dope. <laughs> and no one was saying, and fucking dope was hadn't been invented yet. No, as it had not as a phrase. No, dope had been invented, but not fucking and dope. And Fiona Bloom, uh, <laughs> our wonderful publicist for the book, who's standing right next to me. <laughs> We were on the train to Philly the other day, and I said, when did you start going to shows? And she's, she's from London. Mm -hmm. She said, when I was four. I said, do you see any, pu you see any <laughs> punk bands? She goes, I saw The Clash when I was 10, and I saw The Sex Pistols when wow. I was 11. I said, I that's saw it. Th I, saw the clash, I saw The Clash in 1978. They did a show for Bill Graham the night before, and this was a secret gig, and they had to be billed as the only English band that matters because Bill Graham wouldn't allow a band to play 
within a certain time frame. So it was negative trend opened up for them. It, the, it was a negative trend clash and then the zeros. From from Chula Vista, California. Yes. Let's just talk about punk, dude. Fuck this rap shit. Yeah, fuck this rap shit. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into it. Cold Chillin'. What made you dig into Cold Chillin'? You know, of all of the small little indie labels and... Well, 1987 must have been a big year for me because that is the year I discovered the Sex Pistols. I was nine. And it is also the year I discovered Cold Chillin' Records. Wow. Because they they started... uh, putting out records through Warner Brothers. So we had the inside tracked on ah, that. Yeah. And, uh, but even just as a rap fan in the 80s, the, it was unavoidable. Big Bismarcky, Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap, and DJ Polo, uh, MC Shan, Roxanne Shante, Marley Marl. Like, you can't, I mean, these were big players in, in hip-hop at the time. So, What I loved about the book, as I, I read the book this, this week, was... The, the first-hand accounts from everyone. Yeah. And really hearing the first-hand accounts from Big Daddy Kane because... These are a lot of people you don't hear them talk no, about. And, wha- and what I was going to say is, I think when you... When everybody's always talking about, oh, who are the best hip-hop you know, artists of all time? I don't think enough people talking about Big Daddy Kane and who he was in that moment in time. Right. I think before LL, anybody, he was the first... Sex, sex symbol. symbol. Oh, he was very he sexy. Was, he was, like, women loved him, and dudes loved him. He had that dual thing, and then when he started making those records that were geared more toward women, how the men kind of s- turned on him a little bit, but he stayed steadfast in doing what he thought was right. And I really loved hearing his stories, like, from his own mouth, you know, especially the whole period with Playgirl. We knew he did Playgirl, but why did you do Playgirl? Why did you do the sex book? All of those things, you know? And well, I like the, uh, the the part in the book about Madonna chasing him down the hall of Warner <laughs> Brothers. <but laughs> oh, they, were, they visited uh, child, uh, sick children at the children's hospital. At the children's hospital. hospital. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you she know? would rap Ain't No Half Step in <laughs> to the to kids because the they were like white kids who'd never heard Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a very it's funny because it it w- in very m- the very first hip hop story that I ever got paid for was actually a story about the Juice Crew Boogie Down Productions battle and I'm and That's I chapter three in the book. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> Paige. And uh, so I interviewed Marley. Marley interviewed um, who else? Did somebody else. Karis one. Yeah, well, yeah, Shan. no, but I'm talking about these. You know, these guys and. It's funny because we always associate this as being so intrinsically New York, but right. obviously it wasn't. If you're a kid in California and you're and yeah. you're getting it, we got you know? the BDP album when it came out. Yeah, uh, Criminal Minded. Yeah, yeah. So that was just. We, but we also had K Day in LA, uh, right? And K Day was one of the first, if not the first. Well, they a uh, rap station, right? It was realistically, it was probably about sixty percent rap and forty percent R and B, but. The, the f- probably the first majority rap station uh, ever, I, I think. But or weren't they? Or was BLS was well. Yeah. B- well, the thing about BLS is like BLS was everything black music. Everything. It just was. Frankie Crocker would break. Uh, Frankie Recker, Frankie Crocker was playing Madonna. You know, Madonna yeah. Holiday and everybody yeah. came through WBLS before anywhere else. He was playing else. Thompson yeah. Twins. He yeah, was he playing was every. If you could get some kind, if there was some kind of groove. Frankie was, was yeah he, he yeah. was definitely definitely on yeah. Yeah. and and you know I, to me when I when I think about these stories and um, and that's true in the New York and a lot of stuff in New York rap shows were relegated to late at night here right and and overnight shifts but I, when I think about or all of college. these records and these artists I you know just growing up here it was so just present it was yeah. the college part being in college I was in col- high school and college in the eighties so that was. 
I was in prison. <laughs> just making that up. I've decided I was I'm in. Uh, shout out to <laughs> shout out to Rikers Island, Bedford um, Hills. I was also <laughs> in prison, aka <laughs> Third Street Elementary right. School. <laughs> yeah, so the, the music was so present, it was so alive, and it was like all of the parties we used to go to. It was like all of the college parties and the big gymnasiums, and it was just hip hop, and it was uh, all these artists who performed. You would see everybody on one show you know it was just amazing amazing time and amazing music and i love that you documented this because i think listen all you young kids out here who are i'm hip-hop and you like new shit is great you need to read this book because you need to understand where a lot of this shit well, comes from to, well, and the understand the roots of a lot of this music you love and it will make your music listening experience better and if you're trying to, if you're a young artist i think you should know the roots and understand who all of these guys are and go back and listen to these records because a lot of that shit is still the roots of the stuff that you're well, hearing today. Preach. The, the <laughs> Roxanne Chante, I mean, I wasn't crazy about it as a movie, but mm -hmm. that movie did fairly well, right? Didn't they? Yeah, do it movie? did do. Yeah. It did do I well. Mean, people I didn't think it was the greatest movie of all time, but they did. But it was it, effective. It, it people was very watched effective. it. So people do have some interest. I wanted to talk to you about something because it was something Courtney and I um, both picked up on that you did a really good job documenting. I know when I started doing interviews, so I started becoming a professional journalist in like 89, 90. And I worked a lot for this magazine called DJ Times, which was a trade magazine, but other people read it. And they covered pretty much any kind of music that had a beat. And I spent an enormous amount of time interviewing Eddie La O'Loughlin at Next Plat, you know, all the people who put out the Salt and Pepper records, yeah. you know, the guys at Cold Chilling, um, Priority, Profile, Sleeping Bag. And what you talk about, and I'd like you to kind of expand about these were all black music labels. They were R&B labels. They were dance music labels. None of these guys were like, I'm a hip-hop fan. They were older. A lot of them they were, were white. Men. They were businessmen. Like, talk a little bit about how you think that they made that segue from putting out, like, dance music, R&B, to going into hip-hop. Yeah, well, in the case of Cold Chillin', it, um, there was a label called Prism, which started in 1978 by this guy, Len Fitchelberg. And... Uh, the year after that, he got D. Joseph to fly out from L.A., who had been working for a label called Butterfly Records. It was an, a disc, another disco label. And so they're putting out disco records, and disco kind of It doesn't collapse the way people like to say it, it, it did. It, it evolved into dance music by the early 80s. Meaning it came out of, like, disco clubs, yeah, and it, it became, and you get the electronic. Well, disco was influence. black music, and a lot of disco was soul music. People, right. dance music never went away. When it was the I hate disco music, and th that whole movement went, they killed a lot of the frivolous artists who would come around, kind of their play. But it was always like the Paradise Garage, all of those clubs. Yeah, that was black music. No, you could you argue know? that Saturday Night Fever is what killed disco you know? music. But Paradise Garage <laughs> is, <laughs> is early '80s. So yeah, yeah, right. So if, yeah. if, if, if we're supposed we're led to believe disco died in 1979 like what the hell's going on right so, but so then you have prism as we're functioning as a dance label well into the 80s and then they kind of hit a lull and they uh know mr magic from uh getting their records played on on his sh show rap attack and um mr magic's pr uh producer on uh, bls is this guy tyrone williams fly tie and he manages all these guys who are in the juice and girls in the juice crew, and so the first thing that uh, uh, Prism puts out that's uh, related to that is a Bismarck is the first Bismarcky single. Uh, Nobody beats the biz. No, it's not. It's uh, make the music with your mouth, biz. Right. And then um, look it, it up, it kids. It classic. It becomes a partnership, and so Tyrone Williams and uh, Len Fitchelberg. 
co-found called Chillin, so which is an offshoot of Prism. Right. Yeah, and so that there you have like the evolution from disco to dance to hip hop just within this one building, you know. But it's happening. Like you're saying a lot of these yeah, record of labels them. were all sort of like near the music building. That's right. In in Midtown, like the old Tin Pan Alley. Yeah, stuff. yeah. I mean, these guys were like. You know, old school record company Jewish guys, and you know Tom who, Silverman from Tom Tommy Silverman, Boy. Silverman, Aaron Fuchs, all the these kind of guys, yeah. the Sokolovs, and they came at it from a perspective. Obviously, they were businessmen, okay, yeah. but they came at it from this, I think, kind of really deep-seated love of black music, right? And this yeah. is where black good music was going next, right? Do you think I thought it? W- I think of it more like seeing, okay, I can make some money from this, and these people need the opportunity. We'll give them an opportunity, and we keep all of the publishing, because a lot of those well, small and labels and that, artists made me, those you say records. That as though it's a bad thing. Well, you know, listen, it's it's that curse of two things, right? right. You're an artist, and it's shitty. You want this deal, you right. make these records. These records become classic records. Somebody else owns the publishing, yeah. and it, it has not reverted back to you. Like we could, De La Soul and Tom Silver. Well, let's not. You know, how many that, years yeah. later, and they're right. still like, we've made no money off of our first three records, yeah. Yeah. the big records, right? The ones that be. <laughs> I'm not trying to poo-poo that, yeah. but I'm just saying I do think that there was there was certainly exploitation. I mean, no, they, there's always been exploitation yeah. when it comes to the black artists and black music in the yeah. industry. It's it's been the root and the basis for a lot of music, and then the people who originally made the music were underserved in it. Yeah, I we see everything changing now because a lot of these young artists are a lot more educated and they're understanding the value of even publishing. Shout out to VH1 behind the music. Yeah, and, 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 and knowing that the publishing is key. You, your publishing is the thing. You'll have a hit. You'll make. I, I tell all you when I I still have some young artists who I talk to and they're like, you know, what do I do? I'm like, listen, you have to think long term. Don't look and say I'm making a bunch of money now because there's always going to be periods where you can say I'm making a bunch of money. But that it comes in waves. You need to set yourself up to be consistent with your money and publishing and writing and all of that is key. You can't just sign away your rights to everything. All right. Let me just jump for a second. Talk to me about um, let's talk about two artists in the book that I think probably the best known in some ways and the ones I think who, in my opinion, made the biggest impact. Let's talk about Roxanne Chante. Yes. And then let's talk about the biz because the biz marquee story in terms of sample clearance is tragedy. Yes. Yeah. So why don't you just tell us no pun intended, because yeah. there's another rapper named Tragedy. Yes, that's true. Yes. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> so just talk a little bit about Roxanne, and why wasn't like her she, story. Why didn't she talk to you for the book? Um, actually, I, she interviewed me about three days ago on her own radio show on Sirius XM. Uh, she has a show on LL Cool J's Rock the Bells uh, channel, which is like the old school hip hop channel. And she said that she didn't want to... She didn't have positive feelings or positive memories of that period of her life. And so she didn't want to, you know, uh, kind of have it documented, pull off old scabs or something. I don't know. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. But let's let's talk about just the Roxanne, if you can, a little bit about that. But talk about the let's talk about the Bismarck Keyson, because I interviewed him right when that was happening, when when the uh, the all samples cleared. Yeah, and the, so just talk a little bit about that for people, oh. the 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 Gilbert O'Sullivan thing. Well, his second album, which is on Cold Chillin', is called uh, "The Biz Never Sleeps," and it has a song on it called "Just a Friend," which was a huge, million-selling. It went to number nine on the Billboard Hot 100, 
um, it's the the best the most successful thing that ever that Cold Chillin ever did. It's a classic so to this it's day. It's a classic. It's a great video. He's a star at this point. He puts his next album out, which is called I Need a Haircut. Contained on that s- that album is a song called Alone Again, which samples Alone Again Naturally by Gilbert O'Sullivan. Um, apparently, they asked Gilbert O'Sullivan's publishing company, the record label, asked, I believe Cold Chillin asked, to clear the sample, Gilbert O'Sullivan didn't understand rap or didn't like rap or and and declined. They said, no, you can't do it, and they put the record out anyway. So they knew the thing existed. They went to court. They sued. They named everyone you could think of in the in this in this lawsuit: Warner Brothers Records, Cold Chillin, the owners, the Bismarcky. I don't. A, a huge amount of money ended up getting getting paid out. To, to Gilbert O'Sullivan's publishing company. To this day still, if you play that record, right? Undisclosed <laughs> amount. And I don't... F- I f- it might have been Warner who footed the bill. I'm not sure. Um, and then also, this is the... This is the... the what makes it so significant. They made... Uh, they forced the albums to be removed from the shelves. Yeah, like so it was like it was a like it was a product that was going to kill you or something. Right, like, like usually what happens when someone gets sued for for an uncleared sample is you pay them a bunch of money and you cut them into the publishing. Right, and the record stays on the shelf. They actually ordered to have all the records removed from the shelves, and they basically ki- and that killed the record. That was they it. killed the record. And, and killed his career, you could say. In well, it I didn't mean, kill his career. Well, it ca- the momentum. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The he, momentum. He puts out. A, he puts out another album two years later called "All Samples Cleared," which a great cover. Where <laughs> he's where he's the bailiff and the judge um, <laughs> in a in a courtroom, and he's um, holding a piece of paper that says "All Samples Cleared," and at the bottom of it, and you can't see this on the CD because the artwork is too little, but on the vinyl you can see this. At the bottom of the piece of paper, it says. F G O S, and so fuck Gilbert O'Sullivan. There you go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the original title for the, the the album he wanted to just entitle the album "Fuck Gilbert O'Sullivan." <laughs> but that was a landmark moment that changed and it was everything w- about how records and sampling yeah. and I mean, everything. You could make okay. I'm not gonna. God knows I could care less about Gilbert O'Sullivan. But you could say that the record company s- threw the dice on that one, said maybe we won't get caught. Yes, you know, I think that's, that's and they did it at the expense of an artist, right? Well, you also think this is the beginning, right, where people are really starting to sample because it was always cutting and break beats, but it was the original artist started realizing that's my track. Well, it's like that's the my turtles song. with De La and, it, and it became that pivotal, and that the Bismarck E Bismarcky, that was a pivotal moment because at that time it was like, oh, you can actually fight and say. This is my song, right? And when and all the labels started having to go through all well, of the sample it, clearance moments. It, you know, it's a weird thing because we're all hip hop fans here, and we're all music fans here. So on one hand, you're like, you should be able to do what you want, and the other hand, you're like, yeah, but like, the, this guy wrote the song. Like, it's it would be like if somebody decided to take something I wrote and publish a book and not give me any credit for it. Right. So there is a yeah, double yeah. side. What's no, unfortunate. Right. Is that rap was viewed as such a like a boogeyman back there that I don't want to be associated with it, right? You know, and that's what was. And there was up. a there was a r- there was a racial component to oh, it. Oh, sure. absolutely. Yeah, it's all you know. These people think they can Just steal our music, right? Yeah, this uh, great classic song, "Alone Again Naturally," which ev- yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> I mean, Bismarck, he loves that song, clearly. Otherwise, he yes. wouldn't have made that record. Well, we could have that discussion about rappers and corny taste because <laughs> Eric B's, one of Eric B's favorite songs, Gary Harris told me this, that one of Eric B's favorite songs was Summer Breeze and not the Isley Brothers version. <laughs> Which version? Seals and Crofts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I actually really That's like yeah, that Yeah, there's song. a cheese factor. I have argued, che- I've argued with my uh, dad about that song. Which which version? The Isley Brothers. That's the only one I know. That's right. the only one that counts. <laughs> but he hates that. He hates it. He hates the idea that they would cover Seals and Crofts. He hates everything about it. Why? Why? Wait, wait, why? Wait, what? Because he hates that money? song. Oh. It's a terrible song. So if he thought it was an Isley Brothers song, would he? Th- it is a stupid song, but in an know. Isley Brothers form, it's fantastic. Cling, 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 cling. You know what fascinates me is you know like anything with the gling gling. Everybody knows that I'm the gling gling king. Oh well, you know you can't go wrong with the gling gling. These lists, my my favorite type of listicle is music played by white people that black people like. Oh god! Well, that's her on every show. She attacks me on every show. She's like, and she keeps and she keeps shoving them all at me. Like Michael McDonald was like, no, all black people do not like Michael McDonald. Doobie Brothers. Michael yep. McDonald, McDonald, Steely Dan, Journey. Uh, no, only certain Steely no, see, Dan. See, I never no. heard the Journey thing. I never oh heard that. my God! Oh, I I've gotten into fist fights with my <laughs> black friends over Steve Perry. I'm listening. No, but to it's this. not. How just do you Journey. not like Steve Perry? How do I do like Steve Perry? But here's the thing. Here's the thing about He's Steve, Steve fucking Perry. All right, whatever. Um, <laughs> Steely Dan, Asia I don't really care about onwards. Steve Perry. They don't. Uh, Steely Dan, not I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Or Haitian oh. divorce. Oh, I didn't know the there's a divide there. Yes, oh, it's okay. the Asia. That's trippy. Yes, because it's all Because to me, it's like... Jazzy. It's who are like the ones who sang Dan? Rosanna in Africa? We like them, Toto. too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like them enough to know the name of the band. Yeah, but you like them. I know. No, I get into this all the time. And then Rosa- the other great Rosa- list is... White artists that people didn't know were white. White artists who made black music who people didn't know they were white. Madonna, like who? first single. No, Madonna, first Madonna single. they thought she was Puerto Rican. Yeah, they did oh, think she was Puerto Rican. I've heard people who thought they were black. No, she she thought they thought she was Stacey Q. No, Bobby mm-hmm. Caldwell. Oh, that is true. Tina Marie. No, people knew Tina Marie but was white. Some, you know, but, 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 but we knew that was the whole thing. She was the white soul singer. People were like, oh my God, I love Tina Marie. She sings right. like a black. That was that whole but thing. But Tina Marie had more support among black music fans and black Well, because of how she came up and the music that she and made and Rick, the whole right. Rick James connection. And she right. was signed to Gordy Records, which is part of Motown. Right. So she yeah. came in through that situation. Don't give me I sure. used to listen <laughs> to uh, KRLA and K Earth 101 growing up, which were all these stations in LA. and. They'd play, um, you know, uh, My Boyfriend's Back by the Angels, Back to Back with Baby It's You by the Shirelles. And I, if you stuck a gun to my head, I wouldn't be able to tell you that the Angels were white and the Shirelles no. were black. Right. Yeah. It's just all kinds of, we could kind of blends the in together. Stuck to your well, head. please we don't do that. Say, no, we won't. won't. We're just kidding. We're but nice. But no, I know. Yeah, it's just, just very, very funny and, and how it got... Um, Yes, but that is one of my favorite listicles. Don't you love a listicle? I love a listicle. I'd love to have a listicle of listicles. <laughs> I think it's been done. And let's have a listicle. Of a, I like when they do, it's the 23rd anniversary of the second oh my god. single. Every, oh, my God. The, of the second Every single from the fourth thing TLC thing is an anniversary. Yeah, Everything's an anniversary. No, I can't deal with I hate. I hate it. And that was something I wanted to ask you about. Oh, yeah, so let's talk about punk rock. Okay. Well, right. well, I was going to say that... The I th- want to talk about the connection between punk rock and hip-hop, because you and I have gone back and forth on this on on the interwebs. Well, you are, you're the living testament of the connection between oh, punk rock and hip-hop. I am. I'm too young for this conversation, <laughs> so I'll just sit back. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't or not, yes, I, you should I don't see his record punk. collection. No. Yeah. Your head would no, explode. No, listen. The uh. only, listen, the, the most punk I got was Wendy O. Williams in the plasma. Oh, that's pretty love. damn. That <laughs> is, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That, my friend, is pretty fucking punk. I accept your answer. I accept <laughs> it, and I raise you. <laughs> I did. I, Wendy I, Williams has nothing on I, Wendy O. I Williams. loved Wendy O. Williams. Oh, bless a woman with, with yeah, band-aids yeah, yeah. on her. And pants. I have to say, I had you know that she's Earl, dead, right? Yes, yeah, she, she did. killed she herself did. in yeah. 1998. She killed yeah. herself. Yeah, she shot herself yeah. with a shotgun outside her house in Connecticut. Yeah. See, I I read That's Wikipedia. That's a lot of details. <laughs> some of it I remember. That's a lot of details. <laughs> Uh-huh. And you know my early punk Nina Hagen when she's singing in German. I love That's like true. I love Nina punk stuff. But the first white time punks on dope. They ever the first no that's um the, the tubes. tubes. Yeah, but she also has her oh, her version did. of white punks on dope. Yeah, I fr- or the white punks on TV. She's got one of them. White punks on, on hope. On hope. She yes. has a version Crass. of that hope. too. But yeah. The first time I ever danced to hip hop, I mean, I'd heard hip hop a million times, but when I moved back to New York and I worked at A7, which was an infamous after hours punk club on Avenue A and 7th, where the Beasties got their start. A lot of bands were there. And they would just play hip hop stuff because Didn't everybody was dancing to the same thing. Oh. You know, it was just music. It's not like you had niche, you know. So Bad Brains would play, but before they played, oh, I love Bad they Brains. They played Grandmaster Flash. I always forget about that. I love Bad Brains. Yeah. Wow. Oh, the Bad Brains. Yeah, the Bad Brains. But I always thought that there was a connect, except that punks were against everything material and stuff, and rappers wanted everything material. So that was basically. That's a good point. Because I mean, who did? Didn't Chuck D um, host the podcast on the Clash? He did. And he did. Did you hear that, Courtney? Did no. You hear it's that? incredible. Th- it's on Spotify. There's a podcast about the history of the Clash, and the host is Chuck D. Yeah, that's really awesome. interesting. No, and it's really, really, really good. Well, he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy, but you can tell that. That's what I'm saying. I always feel like there's been some kind of sonic. Or s- not Sonic, but some kind of spiritual connection between punk. Punk and rockers' favorite rap group always Public Enemy, always. Oh yeah, because it sounds like a group. Yeah, well, it, it sounds, sounds noisy and hard. Right, and fast that's and the reason I always political. figured that p- that PE got into. That's why P why hip hop groups have an easier time getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame than rappers singularly because white people still need to have some sense it's a band. So, huh. so you for think them, that's it? I never you thought know, of I that. You know, I think uh, well. I think there's only up until Tupac, it was only groups. it's only been groups. Yep. It's been Public Enemy, right. the Beasties, and that was a right. you know that was a no brainer. Uh, Run DMC, Grandmaster right. Flash, which rumor and ha- the Furious Five and the Furious Five, which rumor has it was a mistake that they did a miscount and they couldn't. Um, undo uh, it. That's pretty fucking well, awful. I've heard great that from mistake. two very reliable wow. sources. What I've a heard great it. mistake. Yeah, and mm. then up until Tupac, there's NWA, who yep. are also a band that white people like. Group, yeah. Yeah, whatever. a band group. And I think it's a lot of it's because rock people, people are like, oh, that's not music. It's like, oh, but there's an aggressiveness. That's why LL... They can't understand LL, or they can't understand uh, Latifah. You I know? don't know, but, they're w- w- but what about like Joe Walsh is a guy. Right? No, no, but Joe Walsh isn't in as a, as a solo artist. Oh, he isn't? No. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's the East Street. Oh, that's Bruce uh, Springsteen. Yeah. No, but Bob I Dylan mean is, is a guy. No, and didn't uh, Bruce Springsteen get in by himself and then the East yeah, Street band yes. got no, in? No, but what I'm, I'm talking yeah. about the criteria for hip hop. When It's not so much now, but you still have a bunch of people who are still like, it's not music. So if you have a hip hop group that has the sonics of a rock band, it's aggressive. They're sampling rock stuff. They can more go, yeah. oh, okay. Why do you think rap feud, that rap rock 
monstrosity lasted for like five seconds. Yeah. All that horror. That's what I think. It's a theory. It's my theory, and I'm but staying L- with it. But LL Cool J di- does have a lot of rock in his music. But because, he, uh, they Rick Rubin continually not vote him in. We don't even like, he's not, it's just nominating LL Cool J as like an exercise in, in um, futility. To complete futility. You know what I love and about you your bag, fi- among <laughs> other things? I have to tell you, every year your, your dad makes the case for Johnny Halliday. Did you grow up li- having to listen to Johnny Halliday? Thank all day? goodness, no. Oh, okay, yeah, he's the French Elvis. I know who he is. <laughs> he just he put out a record in twenty was it twenty eighteen, which was a big. It was a big sort of. He died in twenty eighteen well, well or the, somewhere around. But there. a record came yeah. out. A new record came out in twenty eighteen that was like a big record. It was number one in France for like a gazillion weeks. And the Benelux countries. <laughs> he's one of those ones where they he's one of those ones where they dig in Go the back. catalog and they put out records well, Bob and Merlis. people still Bob Merlis <laughs> is, is, has the flame. Bob Merlis will sit there with his lighter going. I was just at <laughs> Bill Adler's house and he said your dad, Johnny Holiday, <laughs> like, like one hour ago, I was at Bill Adler's house, and he goes, "Your dad's the Johnny Holiday guy, right?" Or am I misremembering that? It's like no. it's, it's good. It's no. like his my dad's gravestone is going to say, "I really like Johnny Holiday." No, I was at your dad's place in Palm Springs a whole bunch of years ago, and it was like this bucol. It was like literally out of like a movie, sitting poolside. Your dad, my boyfriend at the time, Linda, were sitting there in the you know the fire pit that people out there had, and we're just talking about stuff and. Your dad goes, I just can't understand why we can't get Johnny <laughs> Halliday into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I'm like, excuse me? Because like no one in America knows who he, he is. is. No, he will go to his grave. That well, will be his. Well, I'm surprised L- he didn't name you Halliday Merlin. If I could, if I only had two, vo- if I could, if I could just throw s- anybody into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at the snap of a finger. Yes. My first snap would be B-52s. <gasps> Absolutely. My, yeah, my Absolutely. second would be LL Cool J. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, mine would be well, what would your be? Because I actually have the power to do it. So. No, Ma. you don't. You're in the, just on. You're no, on the nomcom. I'm on the nomcom, baby. I'm talking baby. about getting someone in. I at the am snap. in the nomcom. Mine would be. Boom. <laughs> hmm. Mine would be. Kiss the ring. Kiss the ring. Buy me one first, and then kiss it. Mine would be Nina Simone. She's in. Oh, is she in? Yeah. I'm okay, not. then Sha- I think Shaka Khan deserves yeah, to be in there well. solo wise. They keep trying yeah, to go solo. with Rufus. All right. Solo and. I, you know how I feel about Eurythmics. I want yeah. to see the Eurythmics in, uh, Eurythmics right. in there. Mine would be the New York Dolls. Number one mm. New York Dolls. Number Boom. one They're New in. York Dolls. Well, Roxy's in, so that's a dream. I, I, you know, I, I would have to Pia say... Zadora? L- no, I would have to say LL or Eric B. and Rakim. Okay. Yeah, but definitely someone of the rap. You know, yeah, I yeah. shock... I mean, yeah, but I cannot believe that... Me, Lynn Farmer? <sighs> you know... That would be. Can I get three choices? <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to be on Who Cares About the Rock Hall podcast <laughs> later this month. Oh, who, who's testifying that? on who, behalf who of T Rex. Mm. Uh, oh, I see. I want to argue with you about that. It's funny that you say T Rex. You know, I also love Yoko. I would like to see Yoko. Oh, I hate her. I love Yoko. Oh my god, I love I Yoko, love Yoko on the records. Oh my god, I, I hate her. Love <laughs> Yoko. Listen. It is, she <laughs> is squealing for love and art. No, she's yes, not. She is. Oh, I, I can't stand it. I love it. I oh, love I it. Can't I love stand it. You, and you, um, 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 what were we saying before Yoko Ono? <laughs> T-Rex. Yeah, what about T-Rex? Okay, so I, um, as you know, the nomcom is like the Illuminati. Right. You can't <laughs> talk about what goes on in there. But uh-huh. once it's released, you, whee, you can say whatever you want. 
I was thinking about T-Rex, and then I watched one. You know those horrible documentaries they have on Amazon where, like, three guys got together and did a documentary <laughs> about, like, some artist? It sucks. Yeah. They did a T-Rex one, and I have to say that with the exception of two songs, every one of his songs sounds exactly alike. And what are the two songs that don't sound exactly alike? Bang a Gone and... Um, uh, uh, Oh, I can't even think of the name of it. But it's the one. Uh, it's one. Of the thing is, is that they don't hold up. To me, they do. I know. Well, I, just, I mean, I first heard them up. years after he, he died before I was born. He died before we. <laughs> I know. He, they don't hold up, and I just feel like if the New York Dolls aren't in, I'm very much in a, of a school of influences. The, Absolutely. The people, they have to. I mean, every band is doing the New York Dolls. T Rex predates the New York Dolls. No. Yeah. Does he? Yeah, but not that folky shit. You talking about the folky shit? First New York Dolls album is 1973. Is it? Yes, it is. Oh. First T-Rex album is 1970. Is Lita Ford in? No, the run. No, uh, what's her face is in. Uh, Joan, Joan is in. in. Joan but she in. got in with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. The Runaways didn't didn't go no. in. No, she got in. It's just Joan Jett. See, and, the, and the Go-Go's. I believe people the who go -Go's were people who are the ones the who really were nominated. People are they really? No, they weren't. Oh, I feel like this. People who really influenced generation after generation of people that's where i look at it sometimes and i'm like yeah this is cool but you have people the marvelettes who, aren't who, who who have influenced so many people including people who are in there who you're just kind of like no no the only the only the only group i the only artist i would be actually not actually upset but just like are you fucking kidding me if they get in who dave matthews being. oh my god oh my oh god, god. Let me just tell what you a something. joke no, he's it even said they shouldn't be in also what's with my dad's generation oh. Oh. shocking <laughs> todd rundgren to no end what the fuck is that about that's a wait weird minute, one wait. to me Hold i gotta up. say stop hammer time you're pro todd or anti todd i don't understand they they like todd rundgren's solo albums he was in this band called naz yes. you know they mm -hmm. had the song open my eyes yeah, yeah. That shit kicks ass. Yeah. He he was a, a record producer who yeah. did yeah. Love My Way by the Psychedelic Furs. That shit kicks ass. And the whole nuts. And nuts. And the of New York Dolls. So, so should he get in as a producer? I think he should just get in. Why? Why not? Because his solo records are... Eh. <gasps> something, I like, anything, I like something, anything. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I'll give him another chance. But like I said, great live like album I said really the love. only the one... Yeah, yeah. The only one where I would be really... Are you fucking kidding me? Moment <laughs> is Dave Matthews Band. Oh, I, would I would not be, feel that way towards Todd Rundgren. No, I would feel. Are you fucking kidding me with Dave Matthews? But you have to understand that now it's there's the fan. Well, no, I think the fan vote this year will go. Who's really schlocky? Who's nominated this year? Like in the schlock factor. Nine Inch Are they not? Oh schlocky? no, they're in. They're in. Uh, I think they're in. I don't understand that. And he just Soundgarden. He schlocky? just won. Oh. No, I th I like Soundgarden. They, they seem inch, to be at the top of the, the, the nine, fan vote. Soundgarden nine is up inch there. Nails, he just won a CMT award. Who? Trent Reznor. Because that sample uh -oh. for uh, Old Town Road is a nine inch nail. It is? Sample. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's made more wow. money off that than any 10 of them. seconds <laughs> of that song than anything he's so ever he done. So he actually did something I like. I like yes. the song Old Town Road. He has finally <laughs> redeemed himself <laughs> as a human being. And he made sure he'll get um, nominated because last year at the Hall of Fame, I finally got to see the show. And when he was introducing a cure, a band that means less than nothing to me, they but they songs. were very good. I he said, You know, I don't get it either. But Robert Smith's He's stalking me, and now I'm stalking afraid. around. They had good songs. But every time um, he got up there, Trent Reznor, and he started saying about, You know, I used to think this was bullshit, but now I can understand it. It was like, All right. Greasing the wheels. Yeah. But. 
but people still need to, the voting body still needs to vote. I know. I haven't voted yet. Well, this is what I'm going to say because we, we have to wrap the show up in okay, a couple we'll of minutes. All right. The only person who better motherfucking get in this year is Shaka. No, it's Pat Benatar. I'm not voting for Why him. is that? Why is that? Pat Benatar to me is an icon and legendary. And when women were still playing small rooms, Pat Benatar was playing arenas all around the place as the headliner with great songs, with a great voice. Those songs still hold up. She's still touring. And she was one of those women who were out there doing that shit. Well, I and would I only think vote that for her because she's a girl. She's not no, my favorite. She's got great music. Pat, those songs are great. Well, I I could I take it or leave it. I like a couple of her songs. Yeah, but I could. Take I it really or leave love it. the Pretenders. Are they in there? Yes. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> let's just talk. I want to talk a little bit. We I told you that we we're going to talk about uh, music that we're kind of digging right now. Can so you mic? Yeah, uh, I can thank mic. You. Thank All you. I need is <laughs> one mic. Um, I want to talk about some stuff that we really like. So you and I are both really liking the Queen and Slim soundtrack. I'm loving that. I'm really Listen, liking it. It's it reminds me of that vibe, you know, when back in the day when the Love Jones soundtrack. It's it's a really good, There's solid, of, black It's Raphael Sadiq's associated with. I have a feeling he might be. I, I mean, he's got a song on there. I don't know right. if he's I will say one together. thing about the... Uh, there's a lot of great people on his Burner Boy, Bilal, Raphael, yep. Megan Thee Stallion. Sid, um, but I will say one thing. The big selling point is it's the first song of Lauren Hills in six years. And yeah. once you listen to the song, if you ever thought she wrote those songs on Miseducation, <laughs> you'll know for a fact she didn't because the song sucks. Anyway, it does. I don't hate boring. the song. It's boring. But here's the thing. I have no expectation of a Lauren Hill song in 2019. Well, then why put her on a record then? Because people love her. She's been able to tour for 20 years off of one album. Bless her heart. You know? You and mean when she shows up. When she shows up. <laughs> She's the Madonna. At least Madonna shows up when it's late. <laughs> and the other song, well, the Pet Shop Boys, that goes without saying. Okay, here's the thing. Uh, we love, do you love the Pet Shop Boys? No, I don't. The, oh, what? What? Stop you the tape. Out. I don't. Thank I you don't. so much, Ben, for being nice here. Get out. I don't, I don't right, hate the Pet Shop Boys. No, no, no. Everything this is nothing more brilliant than the Pet Shop Boys. I don't hate them. I just don't love them. There's no, no, let me, there's, they, to me, are the number one dance act in the world. I'm not a big dance fan. Yeah. Apologize. This is the wrong show. So, wrong I cannot show. believe I we invited him oh here. My God, I like freestyle music. Which? Oh my God, freestyle. Oh, oh. Okay, but you just redeemed yourself. yourself. Yeah, I love freestyle. Okay, okay I yeah. love for it. For my freestyle. birthday, yeah. Courtney yeah. made right. me a mixtape. Yeah. He made me a mixtape for my yeah. birthday, and three, like as the crowd weeded out, and yeah. then the last it, and when half the crowd, an hour was, was all freestyle. It was the freestyle section, and it just and it just turned into a full on dance party. Everybody loves it. Who doesn't love Love Letter by Giggles? You know who doesn't love freestyle music? Connie, Rudy. Oh, well. It was Rudy. Oh. And we love him, but... Okay. All right. Oh, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> no, yeah, him too. He doesn't like free stuff. He doesn't so, love himself. Yeah, he doesn't love himself. <laughs> he doesn't love this country, Ben. He care. doesn't love our constitution. <laughs> so here's what I love about the Pet Shop Boys particular song. We'll talk more about the next time when this evil influence isn't here trying to unlove the Pet Shop Boys. <laughs> but what I love about it is when I put it on, I was expecting a dance track, and it's not. I know it's not, but and it's it, this is the tr third in the trilogy of uh. Stuart Price uh, produced albums, and you know, listen, 
Pet Shop Boys are great, and they're going on just a greatest. Ignore him. Just ignore they're, him. He doesn't they're know. going on a greatest hits tour, uh, and I will be in there. Oh, we will go. We're gonna. Yeah. I've seen them four Listen, times. They've and continually it's the greatest, to one me, of the best live acts I've ever seen. And series. they've just they no, make wipe great that music. smirk off your face, young man. <laughs> they're one of the we best. We have one live minute <laughs> for me to talk about something about uh, uh, yeah. how I wrote a book called "Going Off the Yay! Story of the Juice." Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. I wrote this book. It came out last week. We did a big book event in L.A. It was great. It was with Marley Marlcut, Chemist, and Peanut Butter Wolf. I did a book event in Brooklyn two days ago. It was great. It was with Master Ace and Craig G. Uh, I'm going to go to BLS in a couple uh, <gasps> Oh, that's wow. dope. That's wow. amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Which Whose show? Classic Flavors. Oh. Classic Flavors. Oh, that's what's up. That's, that's what's amazing. Up. Um, and then you wanted to know uh, how uh, what new stuff I like? Or, yeah, just or as anybody you're listening to new, right now. New Gangstar album is really yeah. good. Yeah, we're right, enjoying we're that. that yeah. That's um, a full moment. There's this whole new new movement of uh, hardcore kids who are younger than me, significantly younger than me, starting new bands that sound like 90s alt rock. In other words, stuff that came out while they when they were being born. Right. right? And so... There are a few of those bands I like. One is called Glitterer. One is called Young Gov. Actually, that kid's more my, like my age. Um, there's a band called Hammered Halls, which is on Discord Records. It's uh, Alec, wow, Alec, Alec Mackay's new band. He's the Ian Mackay's younger brother. I was going to say, he's Ian's brother? Mm -hmm, yeah, he was the singer of The Faith. Um, there's, uh, the Faith. Yeah, yeah. there's a new album out by the band Ride, who is a shoegaze band from England. Um, I remember them. Yeah, they have Warner a, Brothers. They right? have a new album out. The first song is an I is an intro, and it sounds like hip hop. Okay, we're being stalked. Way. We're being stalked again. Now <laughs> we're being stalked by a stunt double for somebody he, else. But he was cute, so yeah, like he, he can come back. Hi, he was kind of cute. Hi. He had an unattractive white girlfriend. See, <laughs> we, our conversation we were having before. <laughs> it's the conversation. Okay, we you were know what? Oh, I was going to say one thing. We usually end the segment with what stupid shit Megan. McCain said this week, but because of the impeachment hearings, <laughs> that bitch was preempted all week, <laughs> so we didn't have to listen to her. So thank you, Black Jesus, for not having to listen to Megan McCain <laughs> all week. It made getting a tooth pulled an, a pleasurable experience. Courtney, was we want to we want to thank Ben Merlis yes, for coming you, out, ben. guys. Yeah. Pick up his this book. Is a great book. It is called Going Off. The the story of the juice, the, the story of the juice crew and cold chilling records. It is out now. Yes. Hit up Amazon. Amazon. It's on Amazon. Go to go to your go, stores, right? go to your go go to listen. In Just theory. buy it. Here's the thing, In people. <laughs> you go right to your computer. You type in "going off the story of the juice crew." It's gonna pop up. Yeah. Put it in your basket. I, mean, I was I was showing it to a friend the other day. Right, and great I, cover I, too. I actually showed it to Pat and those guys at, yeah. at the record store, and they all taking pictures. Like, I need to go buy this. I'm going to get yes. it. This is a great book. No, it's, it's a, a great, great present. Thank you, Ben, for coming. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Today, I'm gonna let you finish. Today is presented in partnership with Listening Party Presents. Follow the crew on Instagram at, at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Radio and at Canal Street Market. And follow us on Instagram at I'm gonna let you finish and why. And we're on Twitter at Finish Ima. And listen. We love you guys for rocking with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to us. Thank uh, you, Ben, I, for coming here. I'm on Instagram at Cold Chillin' Book. Excellent, excellent, No, excellent. seriously, it's a great book. We've both read a lot of music yeah, yeah. books before. And it's really good. Really Thank you, Fiona, yeah. for yeah. everything Thank you, today. Fiona. Thank you, guys. We love y'all. We'll see you, you in Robert December. And cute guy who was stalking us, come back because I'm back. single. Come back. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> the old Indian, Indian rope trick. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 